Well, we are going to jump right into continuing to look at the sword of the Spirit, right? We've been in the series on the armor of God, and I've been blessed to hear how many of you have been blessed as you have been uh, not just uh, learning, but implementing. God's done some powerful things in lives uh, for many who have actually even been in the church for many, many years. And so we're continuing through the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And uh, we're going to go ahead and jump into Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Let's uh, read those. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Right? And we've been talking about the sword, and I shared with you the last few weeks. This is actually a replica of the sword that the Apostle Paul would have been talking about. It's called the gladius. It's called the sword that conquered the world. Roman soldiers would become very, very skilled in using a gladius, sharpened on both sides, the tip sharpened to where it's designed to penetrate armor. So you can only imagine how much training, how much time went into a soldier really needing to know how to use their sword, right? And it's interesting then that the Apostle Paul tells us in, in verse 17, hey, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So question for you, would the Apostle Paul, would the Lord command us to take up the sword of the Spirit if he knew we wouldn't be able to use it? Would he ask you or I to do something, The whole, well, actually the, all the pieces of armor, but sp specifically this one, because I think this, this one kind of creates a unique, a unique challenge in the church. The other ones, you know, the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, we kind of put that on and it can be more of a personal, internal, you know, I got my faith. I got. This one, because it's both offensive and defensive, I think there might be a little bit of hesitancy with this. And it's interesting because if you know church history, in church history at one point, the Bible was seen as something that only the clergy could speak about and teach about, right? And the masses, the laity, you weren't even allowed to necessarily read the Bible, let alone write in the Bible, let alone study it for yourself, right? And then you know in church history, the Bible became open to everybody, and the masses went, woohoo, right? And everyone, we can read the Bible for ourselves, and we can, the Holy Spirit can speak to us, and yes, right? And then I'm not so sure that however it's happened over time, suddenly it may have drifted back to where we go to church and the skilled clergy, the, the, the paid guys and gals, they go up there and we're going to, we're going to tell you what it says. 
And that's really, I think, done a disservice. Because you all have the sword of the Spirit. Many of you brought your swords. If you brought your sword, put it up in whatever digital or paper form it might be, right? Okay, so, so that's a sword. That's a sword. It's your sword. And Ephesians six seventeen says, who is supposed to take it up? Who? Okay, I want to do this and then do this or do this. It's your sword. You're to take it up. You're to be skilled in that. And so we've spent the last few weeks looking at this because we're examining, well, okay, if it's the word of God, if it's truth, if there's power through the Holy Spirit, why aren't we just like a Roman soldier saying, God, let's, let's go train. Let's go train, right? Let's do this. Let, what, where's, where's sort of the obstacles, the, the hesitancies, the challenges to us just saying, like a Roman, I, I got to know this. I want to know this. This is, Right? And I think part of it may have been over time, this sort of shifting back that we go to church on Sunday and, and the clergy speak at you about the word of God. In fact, we make it so convenient that it's up on the screens. You don't even necessarily have to bring your swords because we, we take care of that for you, right? And over time, I just wonder if a, a deep passivity even now a deep fear and hesitancy has come in to the church and, and, you, and you dutifully come and I love that you take notes and, 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 and listen and, and actually do it. But if that's what it is and you're leaning only on me or whoever's up here and then you leave and you're like, you just close your sword and you tuck it away till next Sunday, you're missing the heart of Ephesians 6.17 because we're in a spiritual battle. How many of you now recognize maybe the past seven days. Just think through the past seven days. How many of you recognize that the devil didn't take off the last seven days? Right? It's not, he's not a, like, I'm really going to mess with them on Sunday. Now, how many of you actually, Sundays, for whatever reason, tend to get a little bit wanky at your house? Like, things go nuts, and you're like, why am I, you know, kids, whatever. My dog goes crazy sometimes Sunday mornings, Right? Sometimes we think, oh, we're going to church. There's a real battle. No, the battle is every day. That's why our heart here, that's why when when you come here, we do open the word of God every Sunday because we're trying to equip you for your sword. That the apostle Paul says, hey, you church, you all take up the sword of the spirit. And so we've been looking at this. We know that when he says a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, I really kind of think of that like the tip of this, because that word is krema, which I've been sharing with you, which it's to become so skilled in the use of your sword that through the power of the Holy Spirit and through your knowledge that you've gained, you can apply specific scriptures to specific situations in your life, right? Specific scriptures to specific situations. When he says, take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, he wants you and I to know our swords so well over time that when a situation arises in your life or someone comes to you for counseling, it's not your opinion, it's not what you think, you can, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through your experience, say, hey, together, hey, let's look at the Word together. Let's look at what it says and let's look at how to apply it. That's when you're really used of God. That's the power of the church and the community, speaking God's truth in love and the power of the Holy Spirit, but speaking 
his truth, not our opinions. Okay? And so we're going to move forward today because the last few weeks we've been really kind of doing a heart check, and I know it's kind of been like, ouch, ouch, that's kind of painful. This morning, I want to kind of flip it. And I want to try to, and I share this with the leadership team. My heart today is that for some of you, you might leave here actually with a smile on your face. Enthused. With a vision. And here's, here's, here's I'm going to share with you what my heart is, so you know up front, because I know in, in, in a message like this, um, it can get misinterpreted. I am not here, I am not here to beat you over the head. I'm not here to tell you how, how bad of a Christian you are because you're not reading and you're not memorizing and you're not studying and you don't come to Thursday and Tuesday and Thursday and Monday. You're not, you know, I'm not here to, 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 to really make you feel bad about all you're not doing. Because again, unfortunately in the church, somehow or another, we, we, we picked up the idea that, well, we're going to motivate the church by telling you how bad you are, Barry. And how much of a loser Christian you are, and that's really going to fire you up. Right? It's going to make you mad. Never go, well, what happened to Barry? I don't know, man. You called him a loser. That's why he didn't come back. Sometimes in the church, and maybe sometimes at home, sometimes in school, sometimes with your coaches, the approach is, well, let's just sort of negatively fire you up by making you feel wee small. So that something in you rears up, and you're like, oh, no, I'm not that. And, you know, and, and we kind of brought that into the church and, and want to fire you up by, you know, you know come, Barry, how come you're not like, and you're, you know, there's a few spiritual giants in here. And, you know, and we, we kind of like, if we're not careful, especially when it comes to taking the sword of the Spirit, we can try to fire you up and inadvertently depress you inadvertently deflate you, inadvertently reinforce the negative messages you heard since you were yay big. And you're like, well, what negative messages might you be speaking against? How about you're never going to be good enough? How about you're never going to be smart enough? How about what, um, what you're thinking of doing? That's not for you. You can't attain that career. You, you, didn't, you, weren't raised, you weren't born into the right family. You want to be a what? Am I, am I touching something a little bit? Right? You see, what happens is, is the message today is, is I, I don't want it to be a pounder. What I want to do is I want to speak against the lies of Satan and the lies of your head. That you, the voices in your head that have kept you self-limited, deflated, depressed, and just like, I just have to settle. I guess that's my lot in life. And a lot of people are living with the self-limiting, deflated, depressed image of themselves, and so they've settled for their life. And you know what happens? You get saved, and I'm not doubting your salvation one bit, but when it comes to sanctification and spiritual growth, you you bring the same deflated, depressed, kind of like going through the motions life into church. That's what I want to speak against. That's what I want to confront. Because the Bible says you have been given everything you need for life and godliness. Amen? The Bible says you have been given all the spiritual riches in the heavenly places. Amen? The Bible says you're a new creation in Christ. 
The Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay. I'm trying to burst that cage that you're in. And it's a mental cage for many. It's not a matter of your intellect. It's not even a matter of of what you desire. It's not that you're not smart enough. It's that somewhere along the line, someone, the devil or somebody, voices in your life put put you in a mental cage and you celebrate all these biblical truths, but you're still in the cage. And what I say to you this morning is permission to get out. Because you know what? It's unlocked. It's been unlocked all these years. The only person that didn't believe it and, and appropriate it is you. And this morning I'm going to pray, and my prayer is that something inside you, you're like, I can do this. You can do this. You can do this. This is for you. All of this is for you, but specifically the word of God, you have the mind of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth indwelling you. You can take up the sword of the spirit and use it victoriously. Amen? You can. You really can. And so I'm just, I'm just, I just want to speak against those, those self-limiting lies, the false beliefs that you bought into that you've carried into your Christian life. And maybe for some, maybe here, maybe somebody listening, maybe it's not even just the word of God. Maybe it's other areas in your life being like, oh my gosh, thank you. Because it can be tough. You hear this, you're a new creation in Christ. All, you know, the old is gone. You're new, you have the Holy Spirit. And you're like, I celebrate that, but why is there such this gap between me celebrating that and how I live my life? Because you just got to bring God's truth to be your truth in your daily life. A lot of Christians, we assent to it, we celebrate it, but then we kind of simulate, it's that voice that says, but that's not for you. But that's not for you. Oh, that, sorry but you're always going to be on God's JV, right? We bring in these same negative, self-limiting thoughts that we picked up somewhere along, and we bring it into our faith, and we just settle. And I want to just tell you, you know what? Today, just make a choice not to settle. Amen? Make a choice. Just begin. First step, choose, because you can you can choose. Everyone say, I can choose. Ooh, for some of you, that, that was, those are some big words right there. That was a big phrase for some of you. Because you bought into something along the line that says you can't choose. And now you're fatalistic and you just have been going with what's handed to you, whatever circumstances God or life or whoever, you know, decided to give you is just my lot in life. I want to tell you this morning, you can choose. Someone say, I can choose. Okay? You can. So we're going to look at this with the word of God because I want all that so that you receive. Second Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. 
Okay. Some of you right now went back to performance school anxiety with that verse. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word. You mean there's a test? There's a test? And some of you are like, you're nervous right now because that verse says that, that, that Paul is talking to Timothy. He says, hey, Timothy, do your best, okay, with the sword to present yourself to the sergeant as a worker who gets the stamp of approval because you rightly handle it. Okay, some people right now are like, I, it's a test, see, I didn't do good on tests. Now I'm nervous. Now I'm nervous. If you're telling me that, that this verse, Paul is saying, hey, Timothy, you're going to stand before the Lord and stand, get this heart and you want to be able to use it. Like, in a good way. Like, hey, all right. Like this. Okay, Barry, show me what you got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Right? It's like that, hey, okay, show me what you got. Right? Or we'll do it this way. And now you're going to be more nervous because it's the pastor. Barry, show me what you got. Tell me about that sword, Barry. Just tell me. Powerful. Yeah, and then I can give him an example. Barry, could you tell me how that sword applies to fear and maybe anxiety? And Barry, Barry, what if someone asked you about sin? Do you know how to use that? And then this resurrection thing, Barry. What does the Bible say about the resurrection? Are you nervous yet? <laughs> right? He's saying in a very good way, get this exciting, positive vision that you know how to use your sword. Amen? Like, it's positive. It's not this like, oh gosh, an oral exam. He's going to ask me questions. I got to study. How many of you already remember high school and college test anxiety, right? You're like, you're already like, gosh, right? Right? That's not what this is about. This is about a beautiful vision that you get for yourself of saying, you know what? I want to stand before the Lord with confidence that I rightly handle my sword. Amen? Now, you guys do this all the time. And this is where, again, I don't know where it got kind of weird with the church. Anybody drive here? Okay. How many would say that you're a pretty good driver? <laughs> okay. Proficient. How many would say that your driving has improved from the first time your parents tried to teach you? Right, right. Maybe traumatized mom and dad a little bit, but they, they survived, right? It was a process. You have become proficient in driving. Video games. All kinds of things. In the kitchen. Using the tools in the kitchen. An artist using tools. Right? You've all done it. Athletes using equipment. Sure, we fumble and bumble a little bit, and, but over time... Over time, it becomes second nature. Like how many of this? How many of you have ever been driving, okay? 
You get in your car, you're either leaving or coming home. How many of you have ever got to your destination and cannot for the life of you remember the drive? And you get a little bit nervous. You're like, how did I get in the right lane? Last, last I can consciously remember I was in the fast lane and then you know, a podcast came on or I started singing or something. And, and then like two hours later, like, how did, anyone ever like, how did I get here? How does that happen? Because over time you become so proficient, so skilled that you rightly handle a vehicle to that degree where you're not even having to consciously 10 and 2, 9 and 3, whatever, you know, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know, oh, smog, over signal, mirror, you know, all that kind of stuff. Remember, you remember when you were first trying to drive a car, how many of you thought it was like too much to remember? And you're like, dad, be quiet. Right? I mean, it's like, it's just too much. Did you do this? Did you do this? Look, this, 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 right? And now all these years later, you can't even remember how you got home because you're just so skilled and proficient. That's the word picture for you in the word of God. Amen? You just get, it just becomes part of you. It just becomes part and parcel of your being. And, and it's, just, it's just this really cool place. But it begins with you having to believe that you can do it. You choosing to do it. Eileen, put that verse back up again. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. It says do your best. The other version says be diligent. It's going to take some effort. Be diligent. Okay? And where it says approved, it's, it's just simply like something that's been tested, stamp of approval. It's not a negative, scary thing. It's like a positive. It's a very positive thing. And yet in our culture, in our performance, fear-driven, anxiety-driven culture, rather than this being a positive like, yes, I want to do this and I want to be there. I want to be at that place of, of rightly handling. We're like, oh gosh, no, I'm nervous and I don't want to mess up and I don't want to blow it. And we, we intimidate, we get so scared that we just quit trying. We just quit trying because I'm just going to fail again. And it's just not true. It's just not true, right? And, and that's, again, is just part of what I want to kind of just, I'm praying through the Holy Spirit, that you'll be set free. You'll just be set free to embrace what God has given you, the Holy Spirit, everything you need, his word, and just kind of get excited. Kind of get excited. And it can be, I, I, I'm with you if you're a little bit intimidated. Like, oh, but people like Bill, he teaches, you know, study and Mark facilitates and, you know, Kathy and, you know, Carrie, they all lead this stuff, you know, and all, right? And we get intimidated and I get that. You know, um, a few uh, months ago now, Mark and the guys invited me to, to play soccer on Sundays, Fridays and Sundays. And uh, I'm like, sure, I'll check it out. I haven't played soccer probably since high school, you know, and nothing really organized, but I went out there and you know, I'm out there, and the first, you know, I had the first day jitters. I didn't have cleats, soccer cleats. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to make a fool of myself. Right? But these guys are welcoming. They're loving. You know, Carl, what's up, Carl? Um, and, and yet, because I was so performance and I played other sports, I'm like, oh, you know. And so I, like, I was real cautious and didn't want to do anything silly. Right? But then I'm like, I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Mark. I really enjoy the, the, the camaraderie. We laugh. We did all kinds of stuff, right? Get tired. But then I'm like, okay, I got to get some cleats. 
So I hunt. I never bought soccer cleats. I was a football, basketball guy, right? So I get some cleats. Then I'm like, I need my own soccer ball. I get my own soccer ball. Mark didn't even know this. I have a soccer ball at home, bro. (laughs) And I'm in my backyard practicing dribbling. This kind of stuff. Like, because I like really liked it, and I really wanted to get better, and I wanted to match where these guys were. So I embraced the challenge. Now, I was like a secret soccer player, you know. I was too embarrassed to even say, hey, man, I got, a, I got, a, I got my own soccer ball. I thought Mark would be like, you did what? <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm going through these, this head trip. I'm like, dude, what are they going to think, you know, at home in my backyard? And I'm like, my, my, my family's like, why is dad in the backyard kicking a soccer ball all of a sudden? Right? And I got to tell you, I made a choice to not be scared, but to embrace the opportunity. Everything in me could have been just, nah, I'm not a soccer player. Nah, I appreciate you guys. But I had to make a conscious choice to go for it. And then I had to do some things. I had to get the cleats. I had to get the ball. I had, you know, YouTube became my best friend. You know, soccer drills for beginners, right? Soccer for dummies, right? All this kind of Because I didn't even know the rules, really. I know, you know, you're not supposed to touch it with your hand. But beyond that, I'm like, Mark, how do you play this game? You know, the, the hit the cone thing. And all of this to say this. It just came down to a choice I had to make. I could have been scared and intimidated and say, thank you very much, guys. Or I could immerse myself into it little by little, and just try to improve every time we go out. Just try to improve a little bit, improve my conditioning, improve my passing. I just tried to improve a little bit. And I want to share that with you because that's my encouragement for you when it comes to the Word of God. Don't run from it. Embrace it. Wherever you are, whatever level you're at, just embrace it and do a little bit better. Just do a little bit better. Okay, it's a good thing. And for some of you, if you will embrace doing this with the word of God, it might just have ripple effect into other areas of your life that you have shut down. Maybe, maybe there's a hobby you've always wanted to do. Maybe you're like a, a, a closet artist. But you somewhere along the line shut down. Because you showed something to someone when you were yay big and they laughed and said, oh, you're not an artist. And you just believed it. And, but something in you is like, I don't know. I don't know. I want to uh, draw. I want to paint. I want to do some you know, pottery. And, and you, but you've been like so scared. Scared of rejection. Scared of disapproval. Scared of that, oh, that's not for you. That's for your sister. That's for your brother, right? Maybe if you take an opportunity to take baby steps and becoming proficient with this, maybe God will open other doors for you to take baby steps in other areas of your life. You know what I call that? Freedom. Yes. I just call that freedom. We can't be afraid of failure. We can't be afraid of what people are going to say or think about us. You just got to be free in Christ. Just be free in Christ. Beginning with, learn this. Become proficient in this. Now, this can be intimidating. I get it. And so what I want to do is, is just this week and next week, give you some helps on, okay, I want to do this. Okay, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit timid. How do I do this, Pastor? Okay, I want to be approved. I, I get it. This is a positive thing. It's a positive message. What do I do? Okay, 
couple things. As you get going, you got to make a commitment. It's going to take you got to be diligent. Okay, you got to put in some work. First practical help is you have to be committed to what we call exegesis. This is very important. Okay, there's a slide that's going to come up where it says exegesis versus eisegesis. Okay, everyone say exegesis. Okay, exegesis means to lead out of. What does that mean? It means scripture speaks for itself. Okay, you look at the content, grammar, genre, grammar, you, look, you study it and you let scripture, uh, scripture speak out to you. Okay, eisegesis means to lead into. What that means is I come to scripture with my own ideas and I look for scripture to support my own ideas, my opinions, my thoughts, right? And so what we have to do, if you want to become skilled and proficient in, in using your sword, you have to be committed to exegesis, which is, hey, what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible speak out to me? Okay, not here's, and this is something you have to be very careful about, and it's very common in the church. Sometimes you get in group gatherings, and you open the Bible, and everyone goes around, and here's, the, here's an eisegesis statement question. Hey, what does that verse mean to you? That's eisegesis, and that's very, very dangerous. Exegesis, in a Bible study, you say, hey, what does this verse mean? Meaning, what was, his, what's his, what was its intent of the author? God, in the context of the whole Bible. Let's examine what it means coming out, and then we'll look at application. Eisegesis, again, it's very touchy-feely, feeling, hey, what does this verse mean? Well, that's what's scary, is because we can look at one verse, and then there's one, two, three, four, five, there's five people here, and if I say, hey, what does this verse mean to you, and I get five different meanings what do you do with that? And here's the issue that we've talked about. Eisegesis makes you the authority. Exegesis is submitting to the Bible speaking out and God's authority and God's truth. So if we're going to, if we're going to uh, become very skilled, you have to settle the issue of exegesis versus eisegesis. Okay? <laughs> Exegesis, observation, interpretation, correlation, which means how does this passage or verse fit in the context of the whole Bible, and then application, okay? Observation, interpretation, correlation to the whole Bible, and then application. That's exegesis. That's right there. That's how you, that's how you study the Bible. That's how I study the Bible in prepping for this, okay? Eisegesis is this. Hmm. What idea or point do I want to make? I know. I'll look up scriptures to support my point. I'll look up scriptures to support my argument. And then in eisegesis, you hunt, because there's a lot of resources out there, and then suddenly you're taking verses out of context simply to support your position. That's eisegesis. And that's where a lot of false doctrine comes from. And that's where it gets confusing because someone up here is using the Bible to support their position, but they're using it out of context and not even with the original intent and meaning. Okay? So you have to settle that issue. If you're going to become skilled with the Word of God, you've got to be committed to exegesis, which means fundamentally, Lord, speak to me. 
I'm yielded and I am submitted to your authority and your truth. Right? Here's a great verse. Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What does that verse mean when it comes to Bible study? I submit. I may not fully understand the verse and its meaning. I might not even like the verse in the flesh. It may not, it may go countercultural. It may be not like what I particularly care to hear. But Isaiah 55 says, I submit, your ways are higher than my ways. How many of you, for instance, let's, let's just make this real. How many of you find it somewhat difficult when you read scripture about forgiving others? Anyone? Okay, great. Thank you for your honesty. What do you do then? Who wins? Well, I don't want to. I know, but you don't know what they did. Well, how many times? Isaiah 55 says, your ways are my... Okay, I yield. I submit. If you're going to be true to exegesis, you let the scripture speak out to you. Because if Barry's struggling with forgiveness, that's where God wants to sanctify you. That's where your faith and obedience come in, and that's where you grow when you obey what you don't particularly like in the flesh. But you obey because it's God's truth. Amen? Right? So we have exegesis versus eisegesis, right? And then we have this, Colossians 3.16. Let, everyone say let. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So, we have to settle exegesis, eisegesis. Number two, you have to choose, choose based on Colossians 3.16. You can leave it up, Eileen. Choose to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So let, you got to make a choice, okay? Now, here's the great thing. It says dwell. It's a command, and it means this, to take up residence, to inhabit, okay? So here's the thing. And this is where, again, it's, it, it, it's something everyone can do. Here, if you're listening, when it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, it basically says, hey, choose to make the word of God at home in your life. Just make it at home. Right? Here's an example. Here, here's how you can start doing that. Because it's like, well, what, what does that mean? Just, we want you to, to be in it daily, regularly, right? So here's what I found very helpful. Someone encouraged me years and years ago, said, you know what, just pick a book, like maybe Ephesians or Philippians, Galatians, right? Maybe four or five chapters at the most, depending on your reading, uh, on your reading uh, speed, maybe 20 minutes to read the whole thing, literally, okay? Or like the Gospel of John, I think has 21 chapters, divide that seven, 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 right? But here's the thing, let's, let's say you picked uh, Philippians. Read all of Philippians. In one sitting, like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, right? And then tomorrow, read all the Philippians again. And then the third day, read all the Philippians again. And you know what's going to happen pretty quick? You're going to start to know what's coming. You're going to be able to close your eyes and picture your Bible or whatever you're reading and see Philippians. 
You're going to start just knowing Philippians just because you're making it dwell in you and becoming a home. A home. So I want to encourage you. You know, again, I don't know how, how if, you, if, if you have a, a, a study plan, a reading plan, sometimes it gets like, oh, the Bible in a year. I've done the Bible in the year a few times, and I've quit the Bible in the year a few times. You know, because it's just, I was like, well, okay, I got to get in the Word. I got to read through the Bible every, the entire Bible every year. Nothing wrong with that. But I can do that and not get it dwell richly in me because I'm just like, now take this the right way. Nothing wrong with that. It's a great discipline to read through the Bible. I've read through it a couple times, right? I found it much valuable, more valuable to read like Philippians, Galatians, over and over and over, the entire thing in one sitting. I got the whole picture, the whole letter, and I was just starting to know it. I was just so familiar with it. I mean, you guys do this at home. How many of you, uh, maybe you got a letter from someone that you, how many of you ever got a letter, a text, an email that you read and reread, good or bad? Anyone? Right? Okay. You were letting that letter and text and email dwell in you richly. Right? How many of you have read it so many times that you memorized it just by reading it? I can't believe she said that. I'm going to read it again. <laughs> right? What were you doing? Letting the email dwell in you richly. Letting the text dwell in you richly because you were just rehearsing it over and over and over and over and over. That's all you got to do with this. That's how simple it is to start. You don't need to be a Bible scholar. Just start doing that and see what happens. Seriously, I can't. I, I don't even want to over over talk it. Read a, read a book or divide a book up and just read the same thing over and over. Because what do we do? It's like sermons. I say every Sunday you expect a new sermon. Every Monday, every day, I got to read something new, and then I got to read something new. And please don't do this. Please do not do this. Lord, speak to me. <laughs> so dangerous. Like. Don't do that, okay? <laughs> I mean, you might get away with it, but that doesn't mean it was the right thing to do, right? Or you're going to do this. Oh. Not that one either. Ah, okay. I knew you would speak to me, Lord. I just had to give you three tries. You see how crazy we can get? Just... Pick a book, one you like, Philippians, read the whole thing. We need to just read larger portions of it regularly. Just like you do your emails, your texts, whatever, you do it already. It's that simple. It's not even like super spiritual, except for the fact that you have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, and you have the mind of Christ. So it is kind of supernatural. But as far as the basics, just sit down and read. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, it's that simple. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly so that, here's the thing, as you sit here this morning, is the word of Christ, is the word of God a resident or a visitor in you? Does the word of God, like, is it at home? Like, how many of you have someone that come to your house, like, make yourself at home, right? Make yourself at home, go in the fridge, whatever, help yourself, right? Someone that, you, that they're, they're no longer a visitor, they, they passed a visitor stage, and guess they're like part of the fam now, right? They're in. Make yourself at home. That's what they're talking about. Let the word of Christ get to the place in your life. Like, come on in, word. Come on in, word. 
There is no room, wink, wink, where all the stuff went. Anyone have the room in the closet in your house when the visitors show up? Right? You shut the door, right? It's like, oh my gosh, they didn't say they were coming now. Hurry, hurry, everything. No, let the word of Christ dwell in you so richly that all the doors are open. He's at home, right? Versus the word of God is a visitor every Sunday morning. It's a once a week visitor, once a week guest. No, 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 no. That's a choice you make. That doesn't even have to know with knowing the Greek and the Hebrew. That's just a choice you make. Invite the word in. Just invite the word in, okay? So make it a resident, not a guest, right? And then finally, commit to just doing it. Just make a commitment to obeying the word of God. You know this passage here. We've said it so many times over the last 11 years. James 1. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Again, if you're just listening and not doing, I've shared before, it's super dangerous because you're just teaching yourself the habit of disobedience. Very, very dangerous. And it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Again, a very powerful word. That means deluded. If you think in 2021 that simply coming and listening to someone talk about the Bible and you close your sword and you think, well, that was good. Call it good. That verse says you're deluded. Okay? For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets, but once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. It's, I've shared this with you before. I didn't bring my mirror. Uh, but this morning, I can tell by how nice you all look. How many of you looked in the mirror this morning? Barry, what did the mirror say when you first got up to you? What did the mirror say to you this morning? Comb your Okay, we have a comb your hair voice. Okay. Bill, what did the mirror say to you this morning? Okay, apparently you did not listen, but okay, shave. Trim? Weed whack? I don't know what you would call. Okay. So we got a shave, we got comb your hair shave. Ernie, brother, what did the mirror say to you this morning? Okay, we got another comb. We got another comb. Betty, did your mirror say something to you today when you looked in it? Okay, put some lipstick on. Okay, and here's the thing. Every morning you get up several times a day, you look in reflections and mirrors. The mirror says something. How many of you tend to right now listen to what the mirror said? You didn't even think about it. Right? Comb your hair. Comb your hair. Put some lipstick on. Weed whack, right? So it's like, and so why do we do that? Did anyone debate the mirror today? Did anyone get in an argument with your mirror this morning? No, No, right, right. Barry's like, what's wrong with my mirror? What's wrong with my hair mirror? What do you mean comb my hair? Are you you disrespecting me? What if I like my hair this way, mirror? Who are you? Who died and made you boss, mirror? You're not the boss of me, mirror. And over and over, the mirror is just like, comb your hair, comb your hair, comb your hair, comb your hair. That's what this verse is saying. This is a spiritual mirror. How many of you appreciate having a mirror? How many of you would be nervous if we eliminated all mirrors on the planet? Well, then you would find windows in your car. Because I'm guessing some of you 
walk by parked cars and look. And I could tell by the reactions, who does that? I know, I know. Coming up to the store before the doors do this. Want to look good in bonds or whatever, right? We're obsessed with the reflection because we see it as a positive. Why do you respond to the mirror without fighting? Because deep down you think the you believe the mirror is for you. Amen? It's positive. Mirror, show me all the imperfections. Anything else? Because before I leave the house, I want to be physically prepared. That's what that's all this is. It's a spiritual mirror. And God in his goodness says, hey, forgive. Hey, don't worry. Hey, fear not. And when you make the word of Christ dwell in you richly, you get to the place where you're like, okay. (laughs) Maybe not as easy, but you're like, okay. You're for me. You're showing me something in my life, the spiritual reflection in my heart. Okay. And if you can't get it in line, then you ask your brothers and sisters in Christ to help you. Because we're all for you as well. That's what he's saying. And then I love this. I put up that passage again. Here's the key. What I love. This makes it very positive. Last verse. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, okay, obedience, he will be what? He will be what? Okay. She will be what? In doing. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. Now, here's the crazy thing. Most of the time we read this passage and we think he'll be blessed. Oh, okay, so if I stop doing all these bad things, I'm going to be blessed. Why doesn't that apply to Colossians 3.16? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So if I choose to do Colossians 3.16, which is to let the word of Christ dwell in me richly, according to James 1.25, I will be what? Blessed. If I do Colossians 3.16, I will be blessed you see again it's that weird thing in the in 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 the church where oh we're going to be blessed if we stop being so bad and stop doing bad things then i'll be blessed yeah okay but what about being blessed by letting the word of god get into your life why can't we be blessed in doing good things you see how you see how It's just this weird way that we view following Jesus. It's just like this negative, like, you're no good. I wish you could clean up your act. You know, okay, I'll let you in, but I just because I have to. No. Why can't we just say, Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in me richly. If I want to do that, I go to James 1.25. I'm going to be blessed. How many of you like looking at it that way? Because that's exegesis. If you let, okay, on the authority of Scripture, Colossians 3.16 commands us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. On the authority of Scripture, James 1.25 says, if I act on what I'm reading and hearing, I will be blessed. That's not my opinion. I'm I'm just telling you what God is speaking out. And the good news is, goes all the way back to what I started with, it's open for all believers. All believers here and in TV land, all of you can be blessed as you do the word of God. Amen? You can. 
you can, and that's my heart for you. I just, I just, again, I cannot stress how much I just want you to be free to pursue Jesus, free to be who God created you to be, fearfully and wonderfully made, free to destroy the schemes and the lies and the false beliefs of the devil and the world. Just be free. Just be free. And you know what happens when you're free? You get the fruit of the Spirit starting to well up. Because now you're free to let the Spirit bear fruit in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Why aren't you manifesting that? Because I think some people were such in bondage and were such in the cage that we're scared to let the Spirit out. Step out of this cage, let the Spirit have the Spirit's way in you, and then look out. Look out that fast. It's a choice. It's a choice. And I know it's a process also, guys, because sometimes you have to go through the pain of identifying the false beliefs and the lies that you've bought into for all these years. And that can be painful. It's been painful for me. It's been very painful for me. I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years and uh, the last probably five years or so, I've been in this season where I've been open and I say, Lord, show me. And as much as I feel much more free today as I stand before you, it has been agonizing. Because when he shows you the lies and the bondage and the things that I bought into 30 plus, 40 plus years ago that kept me fearful, kept me self-limiting, kept me in this mental cage. There's moments where you celebrate it, and then there's moments when you want to just scream. And I was driving down, and I'll be very honest with you, I was driving out of um, Casitas, heading to Ventura, and it has been one of those moments where I journal, and I'm like, oh my gosh, i got to go for a drive. And as soon as I cleared Casitas and I hit the 33, I just gave one of those those gut cries in my car where I just like let her rip. Because I had gotten some clarity from the word of God and through the spirit about some things in my life that had just kept me in a cage. And as much as I was um, celebrating being free to move forward because of the clarity of, and I understood what made me tick and why I was doing what I was doing, all this stuff. The other part of me was like, are you kidding me? And, and that's why I just want to say, just, just take a baby step. Just choose. God loves you dearly. He is Abba. He is Papa. He is Daddy. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't care what the devil or what the world has said to you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a new creation in Christ. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The journey of following Jesus uh, will have great moments of celebration, but they will also have moments of great pain as he transforms you into the image of his son. And if you're going to be transformed into the image of, your, of, of Jesus, you're going to have to be willing to let go and let him take away some of the stuff that's not like Jesus. But it's the stuff that makes us comfortable, the stuff that was our security, the stuff that... Um, 
stuff that helps us cope in a big, bad world. I know. And so uh, I celebrate with you. But I also, God has, has just put this huge burden on my heart for the church, my brothers and sisters, who for years and years have bought into the lies of the enemy and this culture. And I know you're saved. I know, I believe you know Jesus. But I just want to encourage you, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And let the power of the Holy Spirit begin to soften your heart and set you free. And if you need us to pray, we'll pray. If you need us to cry, we'll cry. If you need us to go celebrate because you had a breakthrough, then we'll go to get dish tacos at OBC together, you know? That's what being the church is. And I'm just on the journey with you. I'm just on the journey with you. I get it. It can be, um, like I said, it can, it can um, be pretty painful at times, but painful good is what I call it. Because God works all things for the good. Because God is good. And all the time. Amen. Father, thank you for your goodness. And Father, I know that uh, today we looked at taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And, and yet I think that there was a message from you that was more about freedom and more about trust and more about um, just taking a baby step and walking in faith and obedience. And I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters here and those online who have maybe been in bondage to the lies of the devil, to the voices of the past. That's why they're scared and intimidated to take up the sword of the Spirit. They just don't believe they're smart enough and good enough and it's not going to do any good. It's just a, it's just a lie. And that's why they're, they're hamstrung and they're, and they're hesitant and they're fearful and they're not growing. It's because they bought into so many lies. Help us to believe you. Help us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly so that the false lies, that the lies, the falsehoods, all the things that we bought into can be replaced with the truth. For truly the truth will set us free. We are set free by the truth. That's what I pray, is freedom through the truth, the Word of God. And, and I pray for those here and online that, that need to know the ultimate truth, Jesus, personally. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, come to faith in Jesus this morning. Trust him. Believe in the best way you know how, that he was crucified, he died, he rose from the dead, that he is the savior of the world. Put your faith in Jesus this morning. And as we prepare for communion, Jesus, you say, do this in remembrance of you. So, so this morning, we remember you, Jesus, the truth. We thank you for your obedience to the Father's will. And so, Father, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for sending Jesus. 
As a church family, we take communion now and we, we examine ourselves. We ask you to examine our hearts. We don't want to take this lightly. And then Jesus will take it in remembrance of you with hearts full of gratitude and love. There are communion cups in the rows in front of you. And as we sing this song, you can feel free to take communion um, when you're ready.